They're the joyful agains our children shout on the swings, the exhausting agains of cooking and laundry, and the difficult agains of discipline. So much of what we do as mothers is on repeat. So what if we woke up with clarity, knowing which agains we were called to, and went to bed believing we are faithful in what matters most? We believe God's word is the key to untangle from the confusion and overwhelm we feel. Let's look up together to embrace a motherhood full of freedom and joy. Welcome to the Again Podcast, sponsored by Entrusted Ministries. I'm your host, Stephanie Hickox, and today I'm joined by the wonderful Betsy Corning herself and the amazing Emily Dio. We're in the middle of a series entitled Untangled, and we're untangling what biblical motherhood really looks like. Today's lesson is focusing on the difference between perfectionism and excellence and what the Lord has called us to in our marriages, in our homes, and in all of life. Whether you're guiding a child that struggles with this or discerning the balance yourself, we feel this episode is truly practical and we think there are lots of action steps you can take in your home. So let's get to it. Emily, what are some things that you're excited about for this coming year? I think a couple things, establishing a routine. I love the freshness of it and just mm-hmm. the gaining new perspective. And I'm looking forward to honestly watching my kids thrive in a new environment. This is the first year that they're going to be in a new school. And so I'm looking forward to seeing them in their activities and and what all that will bring. Sorry, I just have to ask. Are you excited about some seasonal drinking? It's getting close, girls, (laughs) the seasonal (laughs) drinking. And Betsy, how about you? What are you excited about for this coming year? Well, I'm very excited about some of our entrusted projects that we're working on. I don't know if I can really talk about them, but one, of course, is the podcast. (laughs) Did I say podcast? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad we're not showing these bods. (laughs) I'm looking forward to some projects that we're doing with Entrusted this year. And every year it's something new and exciting. And I'm not sure if I can really speak to one yet, but one of them would be this podcast. And I'm really excited to be a part of it. And Stephanie's really worked hard and Emily and Jen to make this happen. So we hope that it really encourages moms out there. I'm also looking forward to just really watching my grandkids play sports. They are so (laughs) strong and energetic and they can really hit that ball and jump. And it's really a pleasure to watch. I mean, I really do enjoy watching them and they're, they're growing up, but really seeing them embrace spiritual things with greater clarity and depth. We just moved here. So we've been here less than a year. Just we've moved just like you, Emily. And it's fun to be in a whole new location and just settle in, right? Absolutely. How about you, Steph? I'm excited. I'm excited about the podcast too. It's a really neat endeavor and been learning a lot, but it's been on our hearts for a long time to reach moms however we can. And this is such an amazing platform to do it. So that's been really exciting to have that in the wings. Also, I like the start of fall. I like the freshness. I like planners. Mm -hmm. I love the movie You've Got Mail when he says, if I knew you, I would buy you a bouquet of sharpened pencils. And I just think that's a cute line. I like the fresh start of it. And my oldest is actually embarking upon 
his seventh grade year. And in our homeschool community, it is a big deal. And I think he's really going to flourish under some independence. And my little girl is turning six. And I am excited about the ballerina bunny tea party theme that she has selected. So (laughs) that'll be in the fall. So yeah, so it feels like it's a lot of exciting things coming. Hopefully, I feel like they're still exciting in November, right? (laughs) I think if we're talking about perfectionism and excellence, most people are going to think, well, what's really the difference? So maybe we start out sort of defining our terms so people have an idea of where we're coming from. I think when we talk about perfectionism, we're really talking about trying to do things perfectly. But we can't do things perfectly, so we strive and we try harder. And we're sort of beating ourselves against the wall or whatever because we can't achieve perfection on our own. We only achieve perfection through Christ. Christ uh, is our perfection. When When God looks at us, he sees perfection through his son. But we won't really ever achieve perfection in this life until we are glorified with him. So we would say that perfectionism is work-based and we can never, you know, achieve perfection. So we always feel like a failure. So how would you say that would differ from excellence? Well, I think perfectionism is always striving and I think excellence is gained by submitting our will to the Lord. There is no perfection that is attainable on this side of heaven as as we would define it, but I think excellence is constantly yielding our desire and our will over to the Lord and letting him do his work in it regardless of what we want. It's in the yielding that he produces excellence in us. This is going to be a topic that's going to hit close to home for me a lot. And I, but I don't think I ever would have considered myself a perfectionist. I mean, I I just didn't realize how it was impacting me. I think I was just always trying to honor the Lord. And so my focus was always Him. It, It didn't feel like it was ever about me, but I can see how it has impacted me. And I have to continually pray for discernment. Am I pushing to make something? excellent or to do my best? Or am I going for a higher standard that's not attainable? So this week as I was praying about it, when I was thinking about, I just love and entrusted the phrase you used that perfectionism leaves you stressed and excellence leaves you blessed. And I loved that. And then the Lord gave me another one with some alliteration. So perfectionism leaves me paralyzed to start. And when I'm going after excellence, I'm excited to begin. And so I can see in my life, that's more what it looks like. My Mm. perfectionism isn't always a striving. I actually, when I'm doing the thing, I find more freedom in it. It's the being scared to begin. Even in my parenting, I'm afraid to make a decision because I don't want to make a mistake. I'm praying, 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 trying to research what's the right decision, Lord, what's going to honor you the most, and then I'm afraid to start. So for me personally, that's what it looks like, but I just felt like that was 
a helpful tool for me. The perfectionism leaves me paralyzed to begin and excellence makes me excited to start. Yeah, I think to further elaborate on excellence, we would say that there's a difference in the motivation of the heart. Striving for perfection is more self-motivation, striving to achieve an identity through your works. Whereas excellence, Mm -hmm. you feel you can give it over to the Lord. He identifies who you are. And there's such a freedom in that. And now you feel the freedom to work heartily as unto the Lord and do the very best that you can. Mm -hmm. But you don't feel this constant pressure, this beat down of, I don't measure up. And so often Mm -hmm. I have mothers ask me a question about their you know, young kids who have this perfectionistic quality. And I think a lot of kids do. I think a lot of us do. And we learn, oh, we're not going to be the best at everything. But some kids really do struggle with, I don't want to play this unless I'm the best. Or I don't want to uh, try this unless I'm the best. And that is a perspective that we have to work on as mothers to to let them know this isn't your identity. Your identity is in Mm -hmm. the Lord and we do the best that we can. And sometimes we're not the best, but we pitch in and and help somebody else. There's always going to be somebody that's a little bit better. And there's always going to be somebody that's probably not quite as good. Right, Uh, right. I think that we're not we're not here to make those comparisons. We're here just Mm -hmm. to do our best. And that is so freeing. But Perfectionism is just this constant game of of comparing and having mm-hmm. to be at the top of that heap, but that that isn't going to get kids anywhere with that sort of thinking. Mm-hmm. And I I think you speak so well and entrusted about having age appropriate standards for our children. That I think as we're trying to train them, or we're setting up the beautiful biblical model, and of course we want to hold up God's word. I think sometimes I can understand why to certain children it feels like we're expecting perfection. I think just being very clear where our expectations are, that they're allowed to make mistakes, that the bed doesn't have to be made perfectly, and to hold up a high expectation but an attainable one so that they can achieve success and that they're not always falling short. When you think about the second commandment, it's to love others, right? When we are working excellently onto the Lord, it shouldn't be a stress on the family. So if you're planning this beautiful birthday party for your children, just so you can post some pictures on social media, but you, you know, really lost it on your husband and children in the process, then you really need to evaluate your heart there. Why am I doing this? Who is this for? Is this for the Lord? Is this so my child feels really special and has a memory to look back on? Or am I trying to impress someone doing something I'm not called to do. I think also of the moms who are striving for perfection in their parenting, mothering, when first thinking about this idea of perfection versus excellence, the Lord led me to 1 Corinthians 3.10 that says, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it but each one should build with care. And so that last line, but each one should build with care, 
shows us that we are building not unto our own glory or unto perfection, but with care. And we're coming along other people and helping them build. As moms, should we should be building into each other and encouraging one another and not competing in our in our parenting styles or and birthday parties or what fill in the blank with whatever, but we should be coming alongside of and encouraging and just doing everything with care and with excellence as unto the Lord and not as unto us. I like the word edify, which is really to mm-hmm. mean build each other up in the Lord, but it comes from the word edifice, which means a large building. And that's what we are as the body of Christ. We are a large edifice and it's built and structured from the great cornerstone, which is, of course, our foundation, Jesus Christ. So when we are building on the cornerstone, we want to build square, level and plumb so that in every direction we are building well so that the next brick that goes on top of us isn't going to fall off. So mm-hmm. we're building into our kids. And the verse that Emily shared says that they'll be building upon the foundation of faith that we've built upon Christ. And so we have to be careful how we build. That's what it says. Be careful mm-hmm. how you build. So we don't do things haphazardly. We try to do things to the best of our ability, but it comes from the internal motivation of the heart to honor the Lord in the things that we do, not work-based that our performance is the thing that wins his favor. No, it's just the opposite, right? It says we are Christ's workmanship Mm -hmm. to do good works, which he established beforehand that we should walk in them, Ephesians Mm 2.10. So it's the salvation comes first, and as a result, we build on that foundation. If we don't have that foundation, although we might, we might have a misperception and always be striving to feel like we have to please the Lord in everything that we do. We don't want to model that for our kids either. To continue on that building analogy, I was at a homeschool conference this spring and I was with a dear friend and she is just one of those people that brings everyone joy around her. She's just super fun and delightful. And she tells me stories that I burst out laughing later when I'm not with her. That's how fun she is. (laughs) So we were, we got to the conference and she needed to charge her phone. Like it was absolutely dead. And so she's walking around with the charger in the conference center and looking for an outlet. And she's like, do you mind if we just stand here and talk for five minutes so I could charge my phone? I'm always like this. My phone is always dead. And as I got to spend more time with her that weekend, I learned more about her family and how she was raised. And she grew up in a solid Christian home that Her parents were just wonderful, and they pointed her to the Lord, and they they confronted her about some irresponsibility. And, you know, they saw it, and they tried to train her and equip her. And yet she's grown up to be a woman who is so delightful, brings so much joy. And looking at her as my friend, I don't really care if her phone isn't charged. But sometimes when I'm thinking about my kids, I'm trying to target every character issue I see, and it just made me think how it's like Tower of Babel parenting, how if we can just do it better than the last generation and better than that generation and better than that generation, 
then eventually we'll get these kids that are. And then I, I just felt like the Lord stopped me in my tracks. Like, whoa, that is not what we're called to at all. We're not trying to raise perfect kids or kids that are better than we are, better than we turned out. We're trying to raise children that wholeheartedly love the Lord. And that idea of Tower of Babel parenting, where we're just trying to get it better and better and better, was a really convicting thought for me. And even if we see this this issue that maybe at 10 years old, it feels like, oh, he never picks up his dirty socks. Don't make it a bigger deal than it is. He might be the boy who's charging his phone at the conference center someday, but is his heart solely for the Lord? Well, we talk a lot in Trusted about not just controlling exterior behavior. And that's what Mm -hmm. this can tend Mm -hmm. to be, perfectionism. Well, I'm going to have the model children because they're never going to misbehave, blah, blah, blah. But we're not really addressing the issues of the heart. And so that's why we call it entrusted with the child's heart. That's what we want to address. And when they have that, they don't, and they have that foundation of the Lord, that chief cornerstone, hopefully that they'll be learning that life isn't about image. It's just not image. And when mm-hmm. we when we lose that pressure, it is so freeing. So in Entrusted, we have something mm-hmm. we call a spectrum of order. And there are people that are opposites, like Steffi was saying. There are people that are real permissive. They're loosely structured. And then there's people on the other side of the spectrum that are almost overly structured. And we talked about that today. The people on the one end are perfectionists. And you know right now, as I'm talking to you, which end of the spectrum (laughs) you probably land on. And it doesn't have to be to the extreme, like an extreme perfectionist or an extremely permissive person. It could be anywhere sort of in that range. But right in the middle is where God calls us. Not to be overly either way, but to be balanced, to be really having priorities in order, being Christ-centered. Those things bring such harmony and peace to a household. So sometimes we recognize ourselves and we say our tendency is towards this side or the other. And you know what? If you marry somebody, most likely they're on the opposite of that. And so how are you going to work together to come to the middle, the meeting of the minds, where one of you has to tighten up a little bit, I say, and the other one has to lighten up a little bit, perhaps, but so that your home can be harmonious, stable, and Christ-centered. Yes, that is that is most excellent. I love the verse in Thessalonians that talks about making it your ambition to live, to lead a quiet life and work with your hands. But I love that idea that the Lord, throughout all the verses in the Bible, he never calls us to be a perfect mom, a perfect wife, a perfect friend, Mm -hmm. fill in the blank. He never calls us to be perfect anything. He just calls us to yield to him. And, And so bringing it full circle back to what we had said in the beginning, that uh, perfection always causes striving and peace is found through excellence of yielding to him. That just brings such comfort when it takes pressure off and helps to recenter and refocus what, what we should really be looking at. And it's never at our own results. I think we often do want, there's something in us that wants to work and earn and say we did it. 
And I think mm-hmm. it's our sinful nature working against sure. us. Um, mm-hmm. but, but it's in the yielding that we always find that peace. Mm-hmm. It's in the my, yielding that we depend on him. My very favorite verse that the Lord led me to a couple years ago when I was praying about this is in Hebrews 10, verse 11 through 14. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. We're already perfect in the Lord's eyes. He sees the perfection of Christ. But we are to continue to be sanctified. Yes, continue to strive for holiness, but rest in the fact that Jesus did it. And he did it at one moment, at one time, and he is seated. It is finished. I love that picture that Jesus already did it all for me. That's so true. So my response is then to pursue holiness out of a joy and a delight and an honor for him. Good point. I was thinking just a couple days ago how if you look at all the examples of the people in the Bible, none of them are examples of perfectionism. There's none. There's not even any perfect relationships. So why do we think that we're going to do it? You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. We, we think we're going to do it on our own. And that's when we have to really surrender it to the Lord and say, mm-hmm. only through you can mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. do the things that I need to do and build and work with this child and all these things. I, you know, a little bit ago when you were talking about, you know, that messy bed, I was thinking, you know, when we stand over our five-year-old and they're making their bed and they're doing their best, we think that's perfect. That's just perfect Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we look at their best effort or we say, you know, you did a good job. Mm -hmm. The Lord looks at us and he doesn't say, wow, you blew it. That wasn't perfect. Mm -hmm. What if that Mm -hmm. was the way it was. It's just not. The Lord is working with us, and what a blessing that is. And so we need to look at our children, too. Do we expect perfection from them? That's too much pressure on them, too. Not And, and a pressure mm-hmm. that the Lord would never have. Mm-hmm. I've been convicted in the last few months that because I know this has been an issue for me, that I've actually maybe given my kids a little bit too much leeway in certain areas, not even pushing them towards excellence in certain ways, giving them a little bit too much slack and not letting them really fulfill their potential in certain areas. So it was just like this little tweak that the Lord was like, that's good that you're trying to not pass that on, but Also, we want them to really develop their strengths and really develop their character. It's good that they bear the yoke in their youth. So always kind of be evaluating Mm -hmm. what the messages we're sending are. And it changes as you're raising your children because Mm -hmm. you might have a, you have a different standard. Let's say 
you have a standard for your younger child that you can hold them to. You want them to inspire obedience. They need mm-hmm. to hit the bullseye of the target in obedience. Yes. And mm-hmm. when they've learned that and they've learned to humble their heart and submit their heart and, and they understand that, and then you're working on their training. And then when they're a little bit older, you're not, you're not demanding complete conformity to particular standards. For instance, that their bedroom or their room has to be just perfect every day. And because what you're doing is you're giving them leeway to develop their own conviction on something they've already been taught. Okay, take this brick and build on the foundation you've been given and do your best work at it. And maybe the brick falls off or maybe whatever happens, you're helping them learn how to build their own foundation rather than us just bringing them along in a way that they have to conform 100% to our way so that when they leave the home, they they have no idea what to do because now they don't have that intense structure. So that's why we put that spectrum of order in the notebooks so that people can see, do I tend this way or the other way? And do I need to, like we say, lighten up or tighten up a little bit? It's Mm -hmm. always good to you know, our husbands can tell us <laughs> and something yes. we work on together. Yes. My husband and I have definitely worked on this together for many, many years. Yes. I think I've realized that ideally my husband brings the peace because his idea of like a great day is just a great nap and, and, and my, and I bring the fun. We can meet together. That can be a good refining and a good balance. And to embrace that as the Lord's sanctification in our life. Of course, there are probably some sandpaper moments as you're getting to that realization. Mm-hmm. I've talked about the birthday party idea a couple of times here, but I love to throw parties, but my husband doesn't really enjoy that as much. And so I want to do it. Then that's going to be mostly on me. And then he also was like, can we just not have them all the time? It, was, it turned out to be a really good thing for me because he said, what if we just have them for our kids every five years? We didn't know we were going to have our four kids pretty close together. <laughs> so it still turns out to be about, you know, a big one every year. But, but that's a neat thing that is even set a good standard for our kids where I'm not achieving this crazy unattainable thing of mm-hmm. a big party every year for each of them. It's like, hey, you know, this year it's a family party, but in two years, it is your turn and mom is going to go all out for you. And so it's turned into a really fun thing in our home of balance. And I'm grateful for that boundary that the Lord put in place. And that, that I wouldn't is have the come point. up with, but that's good. Yeah. Husbands mm-hmm. help us do that. They help us do that. Yes. I used to be so rigidly overstructured when I was first married because I had a plan and a direction and I was on it and, you know, mm-hmm. don't you get me off track here. And he was much more easygoing. And thank goodness for that in my life. Like you say, mm-hmm. it brings balance. It takes you from the edge of the cliff sometimes. I felt like uh-huh. maybe I was a toy that was just wound too tight. And he helped me <laughs> just realize, you know, the just to ease up a little bit. So that's kind of a part Mm, of marriage that is, it's obviously sanctifying, but it can also be enjoyable. So, you know, don't just look at where you are on this spectrum, but look at where your husband is. Look at where your children is. It actually helps us understand 
why we might be like sandpaper, like you said, or maybe Mm -hmm. we, you know, function really well together. But to tell you the truth, if you were both on the very permissive side or both on the very structured, rigid perfectionist side, Mm -hmm. there would be worse problems. Having Mm -hmm. the opposites Mm -hmm. is actually helpful in achieving balance in the home. And I wish people realized this. There's just really a beauty in being so different. Embrace the difference, Mm -hmm. right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. I love how you said that the truth is always, and when we're talking Mm -hmm. about in this regard, it's always in the middle. And, and yes, I think the Lord puts our husbands in our life, our kids in our life, and it's always a refining moment to, to shed our tendency towards perfection and yield it more towards excellent. It's always refining. And he's so good to do that to us. Mm-hmm. I read this funny blog post a couple of years ago by, I think her name is Erin Lochner, and she used to have her own HGTV show. And she's a believer and she wrote a book about chasing slow, which was great. But she talked about just to admit, I'm doing this for me. She said she would go around her house on a Saturday morning and she'd be cleaning, cleaning, cleaning and thinking, why am I the only one who cleans the house? And uh, these aren't mine and I'm picking them up. And, (laughs) And she had to come to a point where she realized, you know what? I like the clean house. I'm doing this for me. To share an example of that, with her friends, she said she knew this couple that the husband liked to make toast every day. So he would get out the toaster and make his toast and then he wouldn't put it away. And the, it drove the wife nuts. And she's like, why can't you just put the toaster away? And he said, well, why can't we just have the toaster on the counter? And she said, it doesn't look nice. We don't have any room. And he looked at her fancy candle. I think we could put it right there, you know, (laughs) if we could move your candle. And and she realized if I'm the one who wants the toaster in the cabinet, then I'm going to be okay putting it away. Sometimes a little Mm -hmm. bit of that give and take. Mm -hmm. Like he had to get it out. He would really like it on the counter. So if it's so important to you to have it off the counter, maybe you just put it away and it's not such a big deal. And I like and interested you talk about to not be ashamed when we like to do things well before the Lord, that we don't need to hide that. We can celebrate Mm -hmm. that. And, and we know we're doing it onto him. Of course, we don't need to be showy in it, but just to delight in the gifts that he gave us or the interest that he gave us. Mm -hmm. But in that, sometimes we have to admit, I'm doing this for me. This is because I like it this way. Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to go the extra mile because that makes me happy. Jen had some great thoughts to share as well, even though she couldn't join us for this episode. She has a sweet daughter who would fall on the perfectionistic side, and Jen regularly tells her, your perfection is for heaven. Just don't even try on the side of earth to hit that that mark. Just be excellent for the Lord. So that was a sweet thought. So sometimes when we observe somebody that really does do something excellent, like they're a pianist or a violinist, and mm-hmm. you know that they've put in so much time to do that excellently. And we think, we we praise them. We're like, that is awesome what you've done. That's You've really accomplished something. It's beautiful. And it is. But when it comes to somebody who does 
beautiful birthday parties for their kids or something keeps a very clean house, we tend to think, oh, she's way over the top. Mm-hmm. Why can't we say to those women, wow, you do that really well. Mm-hmm. I applaud you for that. Mm-hmm. I think we need more of that. Mm-hmm. Not the striving for perfection, but this freedom to mm-hmm. tell women that you do you do well and what can I learn from you in that? You know, in the last I'm older than both of you that um in the 70s when i was in college in the late 70s there was the feminist movement and it moved away from women being in the home and we've mm-hmm. reaped the consequences of that for the last many many years but i was so actually happy when martha stewart came on the scene and she brought domesticity back to mm-hmm. the house, to women, mm-hmm. because before that it was looked down upon, like you didn't bake a pie anymore. What's that? You mm-hmm. went and you bought it, or you know, it just was every card that you saw in the Hallmark store, even in the Hallmark store, <laughs> would <laughs> be putting down being at home and making a home. Mm-hmm. But I love that. It became sort of trendy and vogue again to really care about your home and the environment that you're Mm -hmm. creating for your family to live in. And that's important. So we don't want it to be so stringent that they're afraid to move anything in the living room, you know, Mm -hmm. but we also want it to be somebody once told me when I was younger, early married, your house should only be as organized as it makes everybody in your house feel comfortable. And, you know, at that Mm. point, it was just David and I. So if David is uncomfortable because I'm too rigid, that's not a good thing. But if I'm uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because he's Mm -hmm. too lax, then that's not a good thing. So then here we are back at that balance again and working Mm -hmm. towards Mm -hmm. honoring each other. So learning how to do things well together to keep order in the home, is it a you know, a command of the Lord that we have order in the home? Yes. So let's not Mm -hmm. shrink it off and say, that's outdated. We don't need to do that. We do need to do that. But enjoy Mm -hmm. it. Enjoy it. And if you do something well, good for you. I'm glad. I I applaud it. That's so encouraging to hear that everyone's order in the home will look different. And that's okay. It's, you know, based couple by couple, family by family. That's such an encouraging word. I think we often think everybody should be cookie cutter. But in these areas, we have freedom to structure our home as, as it's comfortable for our family and our spouse. And it's also so encouraging to hear that we should be calling out the things that we see in other women that they do well and that they excel in excellence. We can learn so much from one another. And if we set the competition aside and just Mm -hmm. enjoy each other's gifting that God has given, we can learn so much. Yes. One lady that I learned so much from, and she was so hospitable. And David and I, they were about 15 years older than David and I when we were in the navigators in college. And they were invite the you know us college kids over all the time and i would say i just can't believe how you can keep your house always ready 
you know, to receive company. And she's, you know, she said, it's not clean. I just like candles. So you can't see the dust. And <laughs> I thought that was awesome because, you know, we felt so welcomed and so, you know, just happy and accepted and comfortable there. And, and I mm. thought it was perfect. I thought it was perfect. Yes. But she yes. tipped her hand a little bit and said, you know, it's really not. And, but it really was, sure. you know, because that was, yeah. uh, that was the harmonious, stable, life-giving atmosphere that was there. Yes. And that perfection can keep us back from opening our home and, and thinking like, oh, it's not perfect. I don't have the perfect rug True. or, or I haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't dusted the, the boards along the bottom of the floor. How many times have you been in somebody's house and you, you just feel treated. You don't care about mm-hmm. all of that yeah, stuff. You, you just don't. feel so treated and so mm-hmm. cared for. And so it's just such a, a deception that that everything has to be lined up and so perfect. Mm-hmm. I feel most comfortable in an unperfect home than a rigid mm-hmm. perfect home. Mm-hmm. So I think it's such a deception that we so easily fall into when we when we don't open our home because we think it's not so perfect. I love that story about the candle. Marilyn Boyer is a really really wise solid believing woman of 14 children and I heard her speak once and she said that their cleaning night in their home was Tuesday and so if company came over on Friday they didn't you know they didn't do more they had cleaned the home and stewarded Mm -hmm. it well on Mm -hmm. Tuesday and so she was training her kids Mm -hmm. we have order we take care of what God has given us but we don't have to you know scramble because we're having company over And I thought that was a really neat standard. Mm -hmm. And, and so I also, you know, to teach our children routines and, you know, sometimes I'll realize like people are coming over and my kids are watching me scramble a little bit and I'm just thinking, oh, this is great. I'm getting stuff done. And, and, but I think their perception sometimes is like, we don't want to have people over. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh no, no, I'm sorry. Like I'm doing this because it's exciting for me to get something accomplished and I'm just kind of trying to be super efficient, but to them, it seems like a frenzy sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think we've hit on a couple points several times that perfectionism does leave you stressed, maybe paralyzed to begin comparing yourself and putting a high standard for your children and maybe even for your spouse standards that the Lord did not give us. And excellence leaves you feeling blessed, excited to begin, and elevating others and their gifts, and most importantly, resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I think this is such a practical, applicable lesson that we can all probably embrace this week, whether it's lifting someone up or just adjusting our standards in our home, making sure we're in the center of that spectrum of order and emulating the character of Christ in our homes. We know you're busy, Mama, so we are truly grateful you joined us for this episode of Again. If you're looking for more information about building your home on the foundation of Jesus Christ, head to www.entrustedministries.com to learn more about our study for moms entrusted with a child's heart. This scripture-saturated study has blessed families around the world, and we want it for you too. Before you go, 
I want to pray this benediction over you from 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 through 12. We're rooting for you. To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Until we meet again.